0: Hey there, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Rebel Starbucks with you on Shooting the Shizat, our pro wrestling podcast this week with my co-host Dylan Broda. Dylan, what's happening?
1: Yeah, well, things are happening, I guess, you know. Jumping up and down. Yeah. Well, jump I'm around, s- jump around. I'm still buzzing from uh, WrestleAid that just happened literally a week ago today. And, uh, yeah, it's it's still buzzing in my head. I mean, there's still, like, uh, amazing photos dropping. every Every day I see something new and something great and reminds me of the just fantastic time I had there, and I know
0: everybody else did, too. Mm-hmm. Well, that's true. I mean, the thing is we had a lot of media and a lot of, like, uh, post-event uh, coverage, which is great. I mean the thing is that uh this event really I think it caught on it's it's like the now we're getting this snowball effect I think like yeah. you know mega launch was a really good start cuz we had a lot of media going into that one too back on March 22nd but now with this one on June 29th um it's somehow the media's really picked up uh not just before the event they picked up and and continued the theme rolling yeah, effect after the after the actual event, which yeah. is really good, and then it's like that one piece that was run in Ilta Sanomat, which is like it's the tabloid newspaper, news well, one of the top newspapers in the country. Uh, on Tuesday, they ran a piece in print mm. uh, about the women's match, right, with uh, Mako Satomura against um, Sadie Gibbs against Eva Velez So, I mean, that was a big time thing. It's, and the thing is that I think that like the majority of the press that we've been getting. Uh, has been exactly as I would have hoped. It's, it's much more serious minded, like the actual coverage. Right. Where I'm finding that we're in the sports section, mm. right? You're not in the entertainment or even the culture section. That's where you want to be. Yeah. You want to be in the sports section. Yeah, yeah. So this I'm really happy about. And, and, and the thing is that some of these journalists, they keep on like dropping this, uh, this showbiny, you know, show wrestling, yeah. um, you know, Name or whatever. Them straight, are you? Yeah, and the thing is that it's like uh, what I realize is that before these things go to print, I just got to like double check with the yeah with the uh, the media people you know that that are doing these pieces that please just you know use the word pro wrestling don't don't use this show wrestling. Well, that's what you're selling
1: though. That's what slam wrestling is.
0: That's it. But but the thing is that people still I mean these journalists and the media they still somehow associate the genre. Mm. With what has been, you know, typecast into their minds about pro wrestling as a finished term. Yeah. So that is that show wrestling and the things. You know, we're not doing play wrestling. We're not doing show wrestling. This is professional wrestling. There's a big yeah. difference. So uh, there
1: is, and yeah. I think that, uh, like, people are starting to become educated on that difference because I think yeah. Yeah. from like a from like a far away vantage point, you know, they might seem as though it's the same deal. You know, mm-hmm. you have. It, there's a big show element in pro wrestling, yeah. but the actual wrestling part mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is, is a professional sport. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, I think that when, when people really get close and they go to these live events like they have with the Mega launch mm-hmm. and then with the WrestleAid here, mm-hmm. I think that once they they get up close and they really see what the... I mean, it's a product, right? Mm-hmm. They, they see what, what this sport is about. Mm-hmm. That's when the... The light might go on and say, "Hey, this is
0: professional wrestling." Yeah, right. This is not show wrestling. Yeah, and the thing is, because there are no ass clowns. Yeah, well, there on, on the roster, right? Yeah. There's no, there's nobody goofing around and and making light of what we do uh, on my show, right? Right. So the thing is that as long as you have serious professionals that that carry their part of the bargain and uh, project it in the way that you're asking them to mm. project it. Uh, I think that before long uh, the educational process will run its course and, yeah. and people will become smart to, to what it is that you, you know, you as a business are offering to them. Yeah. But that said, um, last weekend it was a big weekend, you know, just wrestling wise, otherwise because uh, they had AEW second show so yeah. far fighter fest, which is a, it's a play, play on words, uh, that fire festival F-Y-R-E yeah. that, uh, Netflix even did a,
1: yeah. A piece on that. And, I think even HBO did a piece on it too and yeah, you yeah. know it was a pretty big deal. Uh that I, you know, the funny thing was I actually had no I guess I'm way out of touch. I had no idea what it was and then when I saw there the being the elite uh, like lead up to where this whole thing started with the this fighter fest mm-hmm. I was pretty like what the hell are they talking about? And then I just like you know, searched really quickly. And Mm -hmm. even when I typed in this fighter fest with the Y, -hmm. it just changed, you know, automatically changed my search to Mm. fire fest. And then all of a sudden it's a, it's a pretty big deal. I think there was Mm -hmm. a lot of, a lot of people who were thinking like, you know, will anybody care? Or is this even like a, a thing that anybody really knows about, but it seems as though more people in the world know about this fire fest that even know that professional wrestling exists. <laughs> I was on the other side of the fence, but, uh, yeah, a bit of a, and they tried, I guess, at least in the pre-show to, to parody. That whole idea.
0: Yeah, there bed. was quite a bit of that, like inside digs and stuff. Like, yeah. you know, that uh, they lost your gear, and that you know, the young bucks and Kenny Omega, the, yeah, the, the band didn't show up, and all this stuff, which I thought was like, okay, unless you're smart to it, unless you know what the gimmick is, that Fighter Fest is a play on words. Like the entire concept is is just a parody. Yeah, um, of you know, the Fire Festival. Uh, you 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 will not get it. You know, you that's, it's that's just true. gonna. It's just going to bypass you. So the thing is, I'm not sure if like the really weird thing about AEW is this. Now I've got two shows that I've watched, and they got a lot of money. They they have tremendous uh, production values behind them. Right, that's true. Keith Mitchell from WCW, NWA, that that 80s and 90s era. He's the uh, main main guy behind the, the the production. Uh and that said, um, they have the potential now to to go a long ways, a far ways with this thing, mm. right? I'm not quite sure if they are yet a uh, legitimate competition in, in any way for Vince McMahon or WWE. I mean, it's just time will tell, like, especially the next year, once their television starts, Yeah. only then once the numbers start to roll in, mm. will they actually show, are they in any way, shape or form uh, a force to be reckoned with versus Vince? Yeah. But that said, now, what I just said a second ago about like slam slam wrestling here in Finland is, is the way that you want to project your business. It's the way that you, it's the education and the message that you're sending across to your audience. And that this is a new audience for them too. Mm. So, you know, it's like they've done two shows. We've done two shows too. You know, so it's, you it's kind of like I can draw parallels. Now. Yeah. I hear you. Um, and when I watch this AEW, I'm really confused. Mm i mean not just as a as a wrestling fan but as a wrestler and as somebody in the business as a promoter and as a match booker myself yeah i'm I'm confused tell me why because there's a huge disparity amongst the actual how could you say the level of talents mm. on their roster now the thing is that you're you first of all with a company like new Japan pro wrestling yeah okay you know what they're projecting you know what they're Product is right, so it's totally hard hitting, uh, you know, athletically uh, inclined, uh, pro- professional wrestling, yeah. And the thing is that they don't do backstage skits or or vignettes and promos and stuff like that to any significant degree whatsoever, right? What they do is that the story is told and the matches are, how could you say, orchestrated and, and the storylines themselves in the ring, mm-hmm. the actual yeah. wrestling is the, is the thing that sets up that all of a sudden, um. Who's the guy that just got signed there in that Super Juniors tournament? The new the new guy. He, he beat, beat Osprey. Uh, uh,
1: El Fantasmo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So
0: you, you, a guy like El Fantasmo comes in and he's a new face. Yeah. Nobody knows him, right? Mm-hmm. In Japan, he's he might be somebody somewhere, but it doesn't mean that he's somebody somewhere else. That's right. Right? So yeah. the thing is that now he comes to Japan and he beats their top Gaijin junior heavyweight. Yeah. Boom, out of the blocks, right? Right from the get-go. That's your story right there. Big right. Time. Yeah. So you don't need to do backstage skits or vignettes or video packages on the guy or whatever. No, it's just in the ring. All of a sudden, boom, upset, and off we go yeah. to the races.
1: And you do like the the shoot interview or like you know the press scrum. Exactly. I, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm definitely with you. I mean, I prefer that that style. Yeah. Um, where you know it just seems uh, just it seems real. Yeah. You know because it is.
0: Yeah, that's in it. in
1: that way, you and know? it's
0: more so. sports. Like, how could you say sports oriented or sportsman like or sportish? Yeah, it yeah. it
1: definitely projects that it's a sport happening unfolding in front of your very eyes. And when they do, when they just walk backstage exhausted from having a match, and there they got to just lay down a, basically a promo,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, and that's to me where, where the gold happens. I mean, I will I will play the the devil's advocate or argue on the other side here, mm. you know, even against myself, but I can see what AEW is trying to do because mm. I I can see that they are tr- to me it looks like they are trying to fuse this new Japan um part in yeah. there yeah. and then jam in the American style WWE uh entertainment aspect because it it seems like that's what the, the like the American crowd is these you know they are the smart marks or whatever, where they, you know, when they see Tiger Mask, they know his real name, you know, or something like that. And they, they want to chant, you know, these, uh, these guys and like, make sure that everybody knows that they know that mm-hmm. it's, that it's not real, but they're having fun. I don't. it's a really strange, strange deal. Like when I was at all in, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Uh, that was one of the first times I have ever seen a pro wrestling event in the United States, mm-hmm. uh, in such a big, um, capacity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that was filled with, I mean, it, it's hard to say these thing terms without like sounding insulting. Like, I don't want to say the American crowd is a bunch of idiots, right? Yeah. You know, some, some shows maybe they are, but, uh, with this idea that they are in on it, mm. you know, I don't like that, even though maybe we all are in on it. Mm-hmm. I like it where when you're there as a crowd member, you make sure that you're not in on it because that's how you suspend your disbelief. You go see, you know, um, the Blair Witch Project or something like that and you try to not be in on it because then you get emotionally engaged and Mm -hmm. Mm effective. But anyway, I find that – I found that the crowd was a little bit annoying, you know, because they – They had all the chants. They had, you know, it was like in their back pocket. Okay, this guy comes out, shuffle through the cards. Oh, yeah, we got to chant this. Okay, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, or this is going to be a funny chant. DDP comes out and everybody's saying, do some yoga or Mm -hmm. something, you know, this kind of stuff. To me, it's annoying, but I can, I see that in the American wrestling crowd, Mm -hmm. that's what they're into. They Mm -hmm. want this kind of, uh, this style of interaction, which is annoying to me. Mm -hmm. But so I can see that. Because I saw that AEW is now posting these backstage interviews that are really New Japan style. Mm -hmm. While the event is going on, you can hear it in the background. Mm -hmm. There's the guy doing his... Although he's being interviewed, Mm -hmm. you know, you have asked a question, uh, so prompted to, to, you know, uh, I guess go in that direction with his promo. But it does have that, you know, more of a sports feel than WWE where... Maybe AEW will have, as Tony Khan was saying after the event, like 10% backstage Mm -hmm. material
0: and 90% in the ring. Well, the thing is, I mean, this show was a mishmash. It was, yeah, especially the pre-show. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the thing is, we'll get into that in depth right after a word from our sponsors. And out of Europe since the 1970s, Engineered by professors, doctors, and scientists at Sweden's leading medical university, Karolinska Institute, skip products are pharmaceutical-grade, meaning that they are the highest quality available on the market today. Meaning, they work. If you're after results, you wouldn't put low-octane gas in a turbocharged high-end sports car engine, would you? Neither would you put junk quality supplements into your body as an athlete all skip products are first tested amongst top athletes to ensure their efficiency choose the best skip nutrition that's skip.fi s-k-i-p dot f-i focused on flavor made
1: by a canadian in helsinki Awesome sauce in a sweet-ass skull bottle. That's Red Skull Hot Sauce. R-E-D-D Skull Hot Sauce. On Facebook and Instagram.
0: All right, so we're talking about AEW's Fighter Fest, which was held on June 29th. And I think it was Daytona Beach. That's right, yeah. Yeah. That CEO um, competitive gaming event. Yeah, and speaking of CEO, now when I said that this show was a mishmash, and, and I'm asking... The pivotal question, uh, what is it that AEW wants to be projected as? What, what, how do they want to be seen by not just their fans, but by the public at large as they try to grow their company? And when I look at their entire body of work, so you have to consider the pre-show and the main show as the entire body of work here. Yeah, uh, I see this Michael Nakazawa, Against this CEO, whatever his name was of this Jabali, Jabali, that's right, yeah. yeah. Who's not a wrestler? He's just um, a CEO of a computer gaming company, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, he did wrestling training, supposedly. Well, he must you have know? got
0: really. He ju- he must have just done like the um, the ups or something, because this guy was terrible in the ring. Just, I mean, he has no sense of positioning. Mm. He had no sense of of character work. Uh, he had no personality. Um, he's sloppy as shit. Uh, dangerous, dangerous because of his ineptness. And I don't give a flying rat's ass. Uh, if you are the CEO of whatever company, or if you are somebody somewhere else, when you come into the pro wrestling world, you become nobody because the thing is that you don't have a track record in our business. So when you put somebody in the ring, such as this Jabali guy, who has no, like, credence. He has no, how could you say, stock value mm. uh, as a professional athlete. And you put him in a hardcore match. Yeah. Where you got to do some fairly risky shit. You would Shizak. You would expect anyway. Yeah, exactly. And then when you drop somebody on their head with a suplex or whatever the hell it is that you're doing, uh, you're risking injury unnecessarily because you're not safe. And then, secondly, uh, I don't understand how in the hell this crowd was popping for Jabali. Because uh, the thing is, if you look at his work, it was shit. I'll tell you why, though.
1: Because this match was for the live audience. Sure. this Because this live audience probably wasn't all made up of the, um, the CEO um, uh, crowd, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, a lot of them were. Mm-hmm. So... In my opinion, I heard a few people having the same opinion. You know, what do you guys think out there? But this Alex Jabaley being a big—I guess he's big in this competitive gaming world. That's why he has this uh, CEO event. Uh-huh. And uh, if if they were going to do this for the live crowd, have it be the dark match. You know, yeah. In that in that way, don't yeah. do any of these dangerous suplexes or whatever. Do a funny hardcore match for the like hardcore quote unquote yeah. for the I'm saying if you're actually going to go and do this match for the live crowd so mm. the live crowd can have their little pop with their their um you know their dude who's I I guess one of the people who they idolize for having this show but nobody else in the world I don't think Gives a crap about Alex Jabaley. I mean, nobody. You know, no. Nope. F- like, I'm sure the guy's a, a stand-up, nice guy. I don't know. I don't sure, know, don't and, know and that has nothing all. to do with but, anything. You know. But yeah. the thing is that I would have put this as a dark match for the live crowd only, and um, don't do a German suplex, please. Uh, and you know, do all the funny crap, hitting people with gaming controllers and stuff like that, because the live crowd. Of course they're going to eat up that because that's what yeah. they're at this event for.
0: But That's right. Yeah.
1: Jabali also, uh, he might have even fought, I can't remember who did he fight. Uh, we'll, we'll call it fight anyway. Uh, in the When Kenny Omega brought the New Japan roster over there last year for this similar uh, event and he had a, a match, but he actually had broken his leg. Uh-huh. I think even during quote unquote training uh-huh. and uh, had a broken leg in the match and somehow won the match. I don't know. It was, it, that was like really badly controversial and done horribly in my opinion. Well, the thing so, is,
0: the thing is this, Yeah, uh, Nakazawa, okay. He's a former DDT wrestler from Japan, right? Yeah. So that's a comedy group to begin with. I mean, DDT yeah. wrestling cannot, for the most part, be taken seriously. That's where Kenny Omega came from and Kota Ibushi and yeah, people yeah. like that too, right? But... Okay, so they do have some like talented guys as far as like athletically gifted and whatnot, but still, DDT is a parody, a joke, a comedy company. Yeah, it, it's so a total own universe yeah, of weird, weird crap. Yeah, just just absurd stuff. Okay, anyway, uh, Michael Nakazawa is from that company. Okay, so now when they brought him to AEW, and he's got his his entire line is Nakazawa Michael mm-hmm. Nakazawa, so he's got a Caucasian first name. And an Eastern last name. Yeah. Japanese last name. That's his entire gimmick. Yeah. So far, plus that baby oil, which I despise that if you are in a... Okay, first of all, let me let me just say something about the credibility aspect of what I'm seeing. Now, if a professional wrestler, uh, quote unquote, has to use a bottle of baby oil to get out of a waist lock... mm mm-hmm. Then you've bastardized our business to the umpteenth degree and you need to disappear. Because first of all, there's something called wrestling and counter wrestling. Mm. And these are basics. Yeah. If you do not even have the aptitude to take and, and handle the basics like just to to be able to wrestle yeah. and counter a move as simple as a waist lock. Yeah you don't belong, and that's the projection of michael Nakazawa yeah
1: again uh and i, I agree with you a hundred percent again with the American crowd um you know having a wrestler uh, with a dick flip gimmick being you know over like a like a madman you know which is equally as absurd yes yeah so this is like the this is like the weird um how would you say, like, dimension of, of wrestling that AEW is hanging in, where they have this, like, hyper-realistic, um, old-school mentality there mm-hmm. in the main events. Yeah. And then in the pre-shows, they, they, it's like, you know, I've heard a lot of old-school wrestling guys, even... Um, uh, Rip Rogers talk about this buffet of wrestling, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that this buffet of wrestling now in the, in sp- ex- especially in the United States um that this type of like out of this world ridiculous comedy mm-hmm. is a thing and yeah. people buy into it mm-hmm. and for s- somehow I guess because of the this that they're smart to the business, they they are allowing themselves to separate that garbage wrestling
0: mm. from from the real deal pro wrestling and that's know? that's why i said that AEW is a miss, miss mat or mishmash yeah and it is confusing it is is and the thing is cuz it's not uh, a homogenous 100% solid message across the board it's a very convoluted very confusing um like how could you say it's like you don't know exactly what they're trying to sell you yeah and for me now when i think about this i don't see certain people on that roster uh being up to par with the other talents but they're being put into matches with these top talents Mm. so they're being put onto this quote-unquote level playing field. Yeah. Which, of course, there is no such thing. Yeah. Uh, And so you're going to have to have the capable, credible wrestler uh, or talent then have to carry the less capable, uh, could you say, the the Mm. not-so-well-rounded talent and still project and try to raise their game to the point where the people would look at them and see them on that same level and... Unless you're up to par, you can't do it. It's like you have to have a certain level of of believability, aptitude, uh, like just the physical prowess, the the body, the entire presentation, top to bottom, charisma, everything. Yeah, you have to be on that level. Like organically, you can't force somebody into that spot. I've seen other companies. I mean, you know what I'm talking yeah. about now. But yeah, yeah. You see other companies where they like try to force feed somebody who's a raw talent, somebody who's like green around the gills, mm. right? Into a position that they should never be on, yeah, uh, on the card. Mm. And then when they flop, or they, let's say they'll fly for a second because the the other guy will make them look as good as possible. But then they get go into the next match after that, yeah. And you don't have somebody nearly as talented as the guy in the in the previous match to carry you. And then you come across as a facade,
1: mm.
0: yeah. Or 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 then you're exposed for being like you know a weaker or then like a greener talent that just doesn't have the aptitude yet, right? And that's where I think that here you really run the risk of doing that with AEW now. Mm. You got people that that are inexperienced or then they're like let's say they're they're just not on the level of these top stars like the Kenny Omegas or the uh Chris Jericho's or the uh or then the the, the Dean Ambrose's. Yeah. Right. So they're they're not on that level. But still, they're being projected as having to hang with the big boys. Yeah. So I don't buy it. I'm not buying it one bit. Yeah. I think, uh, and I,
1: I'm having a hard time as well. Um, I, but, um, I am. I know that there are only two shows in, and I and I have this feeling they're trying
0: trying stuff out. Th- okay. You know? That that said, yes, I do have this feeling also. Like I'm I'm I'm, I'm hoping. Yeah. Yeah. That's my internal hope here. Right. Yep. Like Star Wars. Get a, a, a new hope. A new hope. All right. <laughs> um, that, yeah, they're they're testing the waters. They're seeing what's going to catch, what not. But, okay, even traditionally, I'm not sure who's booking this stuff mm. and who the actual matchmaker is and who's giving the barking orders. But, like, traditionally on a wrestling show, um, you can't have every match go 20 minutes. That's true. You can't. Yeah, it's that's just really true. And they have these new talents that nobody's ever heard of before and, Jim Cornette actually had a really good point. He was talking about that Cody Rhodes match with, uh, who's, what's his name now? The guy on this fighter fest. Uh, Darby Allen. Yeah, Darby Allen. So he's a skateboarder, right? So that's that's his legitimate background. He's a skateboarder. Yep. Uh, he's got to have great body control, blah, blah, blah. He's also pretty pretty uh, thin. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But he's still, he's talented for what he does. He mm. takes some pretty crazy risks. But, Let's get down to the nuts and bolts of it, okay? Now they went to a twenty-minute draw on this show, yeah. right? Okay. For that said, that match was pretty damn good.
1: Yeah, Right. I mean there was some risky stuff that you would not want to do yourself, but uh... even the
0: even the pacing of that match, it was mm-hmm. still it was pretty damn good. Yeah, and and Cody just made this guy Darby Allen a freaking star in he that did. match. Like this is like a one-time shot at Glory, and and he got it. Yeah. Well, the thing is that if you look at this match, I was as I was watching it, I was thinking in the middle, this is going too long mm. for the content, yeah, for what they're bringing to the table, for what the story is here, for these two counterparts, for who Darby Allen is as a new piece of talent, who Cody Rhodes is an established piece yeah. of talent, mm. they're going way too long, yeah, right. So in that, how could you say that? even though it was paced as well as it was, I think from Cody Rhodes' end, mm. when you got somebody who's that inexperienced as Darby Allen, you'd be going for the kill. Once you, you don't pin him with this, you don't pin him with that, you don't beat him with this, then you start putting on the pressure. Yeah. And you start going hard. Mm. Right? And I didn't feel that there was that sense of urgency towards the end where it's like you start to get frustrated that you can't keep the guy down.
1: Yeah.
0: And you got to, you got to press the gas pedal that much Mm. harder, right? You got to go into fifth gear and just Mm. burn out. I hear you. That's what, that's what should have been happening according to like, uh, like basic psychology. Yeah. And they should have gone max 15 minutes.
1: I tell you, um, you know, I did feel as though, you know, it was going too long as well. But then uh, when it did go to the draw, uh, I understood everything uh, in terms of like, this is what they wanted. To show the audience yeah, yeah, that yeah. Uh, this sports-like feel, yeah. that uh, it can go to a draw, yeah. you know, and it can mm-hmm. have a time limit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought what actually was really cool that they're doing is calling out the times. But
0: they could have they could have just shortened the time limit to fifteen it, they, minutes. They could
1: have, they totally could have, right? But mm. uh, I get I get the the point of it. For me, that I I was happy that in that way that they did go to the draw because it showed that aspect. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, because sometimes, it's been a long time since you get a time, time limit draw in in uh, the Western world, mm-hmm. you know, where uh, it actually means something. Back in the day, you know, old school style stuff, there mm-hmm. was draws all the time. And it, well, not all the time, but it. But the, when the draw happened, it really meant something. That's right. You right. know, with, the, with those Broadway matches and things like that. and. Mm-hmm. But I liked that they, that they put out that where they're calling out the 10 minutes past with the, how mm-hmm. New Japan does it as well. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it did definitely make Darby Allen, um, and then he was kind of overshadowed, mm-hmm. um, by, um, Sean Spears, uh, formerly known as uh, Ty Dillinger coming out and giving this, uh, I guess, very controversial chair shot to the head, um, well, that's partly on Cody too,
0: because the thing is, he didn't put his hands up.
1: Well, I mean, supposedly the chair was gimmicked, where the actual uh, the chair, rest. yeah, the back yeah. or the uh, whatever the seat on it was yeah. like a what do you call it, like a very thin, you know, pie plate or whatever the heck material, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, so that way that they they want. I knew that you know when Cody didn't put his hands up. Okay, yeah, they want to. They want this huge controversy of chair shots to the head. Mm-hmm. And if the chair is gimmicked, okay, well, then there's no big deal. And mm-hmm. then he started bleeding from the other side of the head pretty profusely. Yeah, and I, was, I was thinking, like, well, he hit him on what would it have been the left side of the head, and now he's bleeding from the right side of the head. So did he just, like, mistake and, like, you know, cut himself open from the other side? I just mm-hmm. didn't get it. But then, you know, when you see... I saw the replay millions of times. I still I was like, how could this chair have wrapped around his head like that and mm. cut him. Mm-hmm. But it did, and I, I've seen it in slow motion. I guess it, it, it did do it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Ten staples to the back of the head, no concussions, you mm-hmm. know, but it did uh, did raise a lot of eyebrows. I think that they tried to sweep it under the table uh too much with this, the chair was gimmicked and, and all that. I, I Why would
0: you come out with that information yeah, like, I, I, as a company?
1: I, yeah, I would have wanted it to, to be, maybe they were just scared of the repercussions or something that yeah, people but, would but still, crapped that, all over them, which they did anyway.
0: Yeah, but that, that, the, the whole thing is, that, I mean, that's bad damage control. That's really poorly yeah, done. You know, like, I, very poorly done. You could have really
1: gone with this whole thing that it was a mistake that Cody should have put his hands up, but he didn't. Yeah.
0: And, uh, There's a lot of ways to color it and they they did it the, you know, the wrong way. The, yeah. the young bucks going yeah. like, Public. Yeah, uh, right away. Yeah, and it's like, no, that's not how you do business. I'm I'm sorry. It it should have
1: been, it should have been like, just kayfabe a little bit for us, please. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. You know, uh, I don't care if it comes out later or leaks out that, you know, there's a rumor that it was gimmicked or whatever, but. Mm. Just try, try at least to suspend that. But, you know, mm. I get it, this chair shot thing with the concussion stuff is really sensitive and mm. maybe
0: they were terrified of the backlash going to be, but. Yeah, but still, I mean, that's in a way, you know, like, I don't know how, how far reaching it's going to be, but uh, that has the potential for like, to damage your company. Uh, n- I don't mean the chair shot. I yeah. mean the way they handled the I chair I think so shot. too, yeah. You know, like right from the get go, it's like, you don't, once again, it's a really confusing message that they're trying to send across mm-hmm. with this company. Yeah. What is, uh, for the money that Tony Khan and family has and th- that they're pumping into this, like the production and everything else and the roster and signing yep. people left and right, You'd think that they would have their piece of business already like mapped out. Oh, this is the game plan. This is, this is what we're going with. We're yeah. going to like speak of things on these terms. This is the way we're going to handle our business, blah, blah, blah. So they'd have like everything set in stone. Yeah. But it seems like they don't. Yeah, yeah. And that's like the scary thing is that like you're you're jerking around with somebody's money who's bankrolling you and, and you you don't have a solid foundation on which to stand yet. yeah and so it's like you're rocking the boat left and right and you're still trying to find your sea footing and and there's potential for disaster here man there yeah. there really is yeah. i mean it's like just from a business standpoint like any business person who has ever run or been involved in a serious uh like business venture can look at this and say that no you'd never do it this way mm. yeah like anybody yeah. i i don't i don't care what like what your what your thing is i don't care if you sell cardboard boxes or if you make yeah. nails or whatever it is but yeah. i mean anybody from any business can tell you that's not how you do things
1: right? yeah i mean it was a bit weird to me i the only thing i i mean i i actually thought it was it was shocking and great with that mm. chair shot to the head and you know yeah. if they gimmicked it whatever like they gimmick guitars and you know everybody knows that but they don't go out and say you know don't worry the guitar was a
0: was gimmick. It's... Well, the thing is, it's like Bill Watts said, you know, my all-time favorite wrestling promoter, Mid-South UWF back in yeah. the 80s. He said that John Wayne was favorite, you know, like uh, yeah. in that time, a lot, uh, the course, favorite, yeah. favorite movie star of a lot of people, especially in America. Anyway, so that John Wayne never killed any Indians. Like in the movies, of course he did, but I mean, he never really killed any Of course, yeah. Right? Well, you'd hope. But, but you sure as shit didn't see him walking off into the sunset hand in hand with him afterwards either.
1: Yeah, that, there you go. And I mean that—that's a really that is an odd thing. And uh, I mean, uh, let's see what goes down. But I mean, the uh, the one thing that I I took out of that uh, chair shot was that Sean Spears got a Wicked T-shirt. <laughs> He's got this great logo that's a mm-hmm. Canadian. It's a maple leaf that kind of like morphs into like the the Punisher skull oh, yeah. kind of thing. And I was like, crap! I got to get that shirt. That's Wicked logo. I don't care whose name is on it. But mm-hmm. but anyway, um, this moving show on. moving on. Yeah, this show was a. Had a, its ups and downs, that's for sure. Um, I was curious as to what you thought of the uh, the first match on the card that was this uh, t- triple threat tag team match with the best friends, mm-hmm. who are your best friends, and uh, SCU and the newcomers' private party, which I guess this match was basically to showcase the, the shiz
0: ad out of them. Well, I'll tell you what, the private party, and the the one of them is like skinny as hell. Yeah. It's like a rail. But the other guy... I forget you know what what his name was which was it Isaiah Cassidy or Mark Quinn or whatever it was which one is which but uh the bigger guy uh I th- I think that there's something there I mean even with that tag team I think the great body control yeah but it's just it's the thing with pro wrestling nowadays um and and I use that in loose quotations the word pro now um is that okay first of all there's way too many guys wrestling in sneakers yeah, Sneaker, well, sneakers sneakers and that, kick that pads. That is a thing. Okay, sneakers and kick pads. Second of all, there's way too many guys with no bodies. Okay? Yeah. It doesn't look like you're a credible like a serious athlete that you've never been in the gym. It looks like you're pasty white. It looks like, you know, you, you don't have any tone. Uh and 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 if you have a person off the street that looks at a promotional photo or just a photo in general of you, and there's nothing about you about your physical aura that projects um, athlete or badass mm. I think that you have a definitive problem it's like you know back in the day I forget was it, who was it that was saying that if the guy that is be- being projected as a pro wrestler could be the guy changing your oil at Jiffy Lube yeah you know it's it's yeah. it's kind of like when grunge came mm. about right as, as, grunge legitimately in the 90s killed rock and roll yeah. To to a much to, to a great degree. It's like if you think of like even the, the established bands like Motley Crue and and so many others changed their freaking style around 93, 94 to fit this grunge boom yeah. and try to fit in. And there's like very few of them that actually stayed the course. And I think like out of the metal bands, I think like one of the only ones was Overkill, right? That, yeah. that, that and maybe some people would argue Pantera.
1: Yeah, maybe Metallica. I guess. But
0: no, like, no, 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 no. So? That that's when they went rock. Metallica.
1: Uh, I guess. Yeah, that, that was that load saying. and reload yeah, and all I that. Hear what you're you are know? saying. So
0: it's like they changed completely. Yeah. But my point here being that uh... <sighs> what was my point?
1: <laughs> <laughs> they said uh, the the bodies, the lack thereof. Yeah, yeah, there, exactly. The the yeah, the, the grunge, the
0: grunge aspect. Yeah. So when grunge came in, you had these guys with flannel shirts coming in, their yeah. loose, baggy pants, and mm. You had like no rock and roll shtick, no Alice Cooper. There was like no big time, you know, the, like Motley Crue get up garb. And, and and you just looked like a guy off the street that you just ripped out of a freaking apartment building and just gave him a guitar. Mm. That's what it looked like. Yeah. And, and then that's when you had these quote unquote heavy bands and so many of the guys cutting their hair, having these short haircuts and shit mm-hmm. like that. Before yeah. it was just long haired. Guy's game, right? Yeah. And, and that was part of the appeal, part of the aura of, of heavy rock and heavy metal mm. uh, to have long hair. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. You, I mean, stick with a freaking game plan. F-
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. totally.
0: Uh, you know, Sh- The shizad yeah. game plan. It was stick with it. Stick with it. Exactly. Um, the wheel ain't broke. Don't fix it. So now with AEW, it's kind of like, in a way, these, they have these guys that pace the... Pasty, Either they're pasty white or they're untoned bodies, and mm. they have—they don't have that look of an athlete. But they, okay, once they get in the ring and they start doing shit, yeah, then they—they they can do some pretty impressive shit. Just, yeah, yeah. just like this private party tag team. Yeah, but like I said, the one of them is skinny as hell, mm. and 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 he don't look like he looks more like a Harlem globetrotter than he does a, a professional wrestler. Yeah, a short Harlem globetrotter. Yeah, exactly, a short, <laughs> a shorter Harlem globetrotter. Yeah, Basketball I mean, yeah,
1: yeah, the. In this match, like, of course, we, we know what it's all about. Now, hopefully, a lot of the times when these guys get out of the indies, you know, and let's say into WWE or whatever, uh-huh. there is a, a bulking up process that seems to happen, generally, you know.
0: I think it's called Deanna Ball.
1: Yeah. <laughs> 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 ah, yeah. Good old Deanna Ball. I know her. Well, I don't personally, but anyway. Um, you know, it's... Uh, so I... I have a, a feeling that, you know, maybe these guys will put some more meat on their bones or whatever. Some guys like, let's say, Chucky e. T. it almost seems like his gimmick is to just be a dude who doesn't have a body. You know, it's so weird. And I mean, because especially partner, being yeah next to Trent Beretta, who's like ripped to shreds. You know, I will like, tell you what,
0: Jim Cornette had a really good point about this. He best had, had another good point. He did. He did oh, too. Uh, no, he, he's. I mean, he's been around for a long time, and the guys, <laughs> the guys are sharp I know, pencil. Yeah. I mean, he's controversial, but still, yeah, I, yeah. But he said about this. Okay, Chucky T. Um, I mean, there's. Okay, the tag team in general, their entrance video, is like holding hands and hugging, not not maybe showing them holding hands, but just showing like two hands coming together and yeah. holding hands, and hug- that sounds pretty freaking gay to me. <laughs> okay, second of all, second of all, how does that get you over? Like, how does as as a credible like force to be reckoned with, it just makes you come across as a freaking like a joke. Yeah, and I guess I they, don't get it.
1: They are a joke in that way, you know. They do have that comedy, pretty huge comedy aspect that they, you know, that these like over the top best friends and their their whole, you know, thing that a lot of the times in a lot of their matches they they're teasing throughout the match that they're trying to give each other a hug, but they kept getting interrupted and interrupted, and then then they get to get that hug and the crowd pops like crazy. Of course, to me, I mean that doesn't pop me i don't care but uh this is again with this american crowd that, I think that this they is, love that shit I think, at, she is at.
0: <laughs> I, I think they need to introduce the word show wrestling to the american public
1: <laughs> the pre show should be the pre show wrestling yeah exactly you know but uh, wow other than i mean uh, in all honesty that that triple threat tag team match was uh, exciting and entertaining um
0: yeah, it I mean, they, very, they had a lot it of was very spots. spots. It yeah.
1: was a very spot-fest festival. But I guess uh, that was the first match on the card kind of got me like, okay, here we go, this is going to be a good show. And then... Um, it was too long. It was too long as well, yeah. And then we got into a uh, women's match with uh, Allie and Leva Bates, which is the, uh, librarian.
0: the librarian.
1: And oh. I thought this, this gimmick just is... And I think oh. everybody... And doomed. I almost think that this gimmick is supposed to be terrible. Because they, in, when they introduced the idea that they were looking for this gimmick, everybody, they did a whole like few episodes of this being the elite where they were complaining. Yeah. Why do we got to do this gimmick? It's going to be terrible. Everybody's going to hate it. It's not going to get over. And they, they basically said that out loud. Mm. And then here they are with this gimmick, and it's not good at all. And I wonder oh, if no. this is the whole point that they're gonna go this is my prediction, that they're gonna go and uh the idea is to try to prove to Tony Khan, which in storyline he's the one who wants this character. Yeah. They're gonna try to show him that look, this character's not over, you gotta get rid of it. But I I don't know I don't know what they're doing here because uh I didn't like it at all. And I thought the match was like okay woman's match, but with this
0: librarian Shushing. Yeah, it uh wasn't for me anyway. No, jeez. I mean the thing is that uh... It was okay. Once again, it was too long. This this match for what they brought to the table is was was overdrawn, overdrawn. Uh, And this Leva Bates, uh, I'm not sure what her experience is like. Her experience level. I mean, there was something there that that I could just see a certain, how could you say, like greenness, perhaps. Mm. Uh, But. Okay, it was okay for what it was. It, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go to town on this match. I mean, it, it wasn't that bad. But the parts that were bad, like with her putting her finger up and just shushing several times throughout the matches to get you know that that librarian gimmick over. Yeah, it was just too much. It was like to, you know, there's this thing about heat in pro wrestling. So there's good heat, which is like the kind of heat where people are just going apeshit bananas. You know, popping out of their seats. And they want to see that heel get his ass kicked to that degree, right? right? That was like Tully Blanchard versus Dusty Rhodes kind of heat or or like, you know, even Ric Flair versus uh, Terry Funk kind of heat back in the in the 80s. Yeah. Right? That, that's the kind of heat that was. Or Rock and Roll Express getting their ass kicked by the heels. And then once they made that comeback, you know, they, they wanted to kill those heels. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the other kind of heat. This is the go away heat.
1: It's like, it just is. disappear. Just it is. Like,
0: please don't, just get off my TV. That's, that's the kind of heat this is. Mm-hmm. And that's not, that's not like conducive to business.
1: Yeah. And I mean, that Leva Bates, uh, she was trained at the, uh, the team 3D Academy by Bubba and Devon, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if they were the actual trainers, uh, but, uh, at least, um, that, and she made her debut in 2006, so she's been going at it for about 13 years now. Well, maybe it's, then it's just, it's, yeah, it's her not,
0: like, sitting with the character It, very it might, well. It
1: must, must be, you know, maybe... And, you know, you never know what the chemistry is with Allie yeah, or yeah. whatever. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I wasn't impressed, you know, yeah. uh, but seems like she should be much better than she is. But on to the main card, anyway, uh, we'll just... Uh, zip through this just really quick yeah, under,
0: because the next match was Michael Nakazawa yeah, and Alex yeah, Jabaley, so that's basically three matches on the don't undercard. Need to give that anymore? No, no more attention to that. So then <laughs> Chima, yeah, uh, and Christopher I, Daniels and Christopher Daniels. I I kind of missed this match to, like I was I was in the kitchen doing yeah. something else, so run it through, run it run it by me.
1: Yeah, well, uh, basically this is a uh, two good buddies. I guess uh, they have trained together, and and Christopher Daniels got. Um, big break in uh in pro wrestling especially in japan from shima and uh it seems as though like they didn't or at least daniels didn't want the match because it was his buddy and he you know he, he was a little bit hesitant and then you know he wanted to take it because of the you know sportsman like thing and mm-hmm. uh he ends up getting the loss uh christopher daniels loses to shima and uh it was a. I thought it was quite a good match. I mean, the guys know how to work. They're mm-hmm. both like getting up there in their careers. I mean, Daniels is in. He must be in his forties. Oh yeah, um, he is. He you know, and uh, like um, I don't know where uh, Shima is uh, kind of hanging out at, but uh, they're both, you know, veterans in mm-hmm. the business for a really long time. Yep. Uh, it was a good solid. Wrestling match, and um, I mean, I wouldn't say that it was amazing. No, I've seen Daniels no. have like uh, incredible matches in the past, but then again, you know, you know yourself. You, I just uh, saw you like literally in the best seat in the house is the ref mm. uh, take on Tajiri. And uh, I mean, you guys aren't
0: spring chickens anymore. No, he's 48 and I'm 46. Yeah, but you guys, you. Work the hell out of each other. Well, that's the whole thing. Is it's, uh, you can't buy experience. That's yep. the, one thing. We talked about this, like uh, the the pre- the previous AW Double or Nothing show, mm. and and the thing with people on the internet uh, griping about like Jericho and Omega not being in shape or whatever yeah. it was, and it's just it's bullsh*t. Like, yeah, yeah, like you don't understand what's going on. You got. You know when it comes across as a fight, and when it, when it comes across, and the thing is, like once again, the experience, how professional wrestling should be uh, projected uh, in the context of a fight, mm. right? So you have to be able to tell that story uh, to a successful, uh, you know, yeah. end, end, end result or degree, and and that's where, like, even with uh, you know the, the, my match with Tajiri, very briefly, is 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 the fact that it was a fight. That's the whole thing. Mm. Like you know, it's it was. Like, I felt. Everything, I I felt uh, that I was, you know, fighting for my life. So that's the difference.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, so basically uh, I would say that the reason why this match might not have, uh, I guess, got the best stars or grades or bucks or whatever you want to call it on this show Uh was that it was two veterans, like, working each other properly. Yeah. And uh, doing some pretty like um high flying spots that you know that Daniels is known to do of course and it, but Daniels is 49 years old yep. you know and yep. uh you as you said before your body's not recovering as fast and breaking down so you got to be smarter yep. and uh, work mm-hmm. uh, work uh, smarter not harder in a lot of ways um although still these guys were working hard i think that you know this gets overshadowed by the extreme nature of the rest of the card where this was like a proper pro wrestling match between mm. two mm. peers, yeah. you know, that shake hands mm-hmm. and, uh, I love it. Uh, I, I thought the match was really like, uh, solid. Yeah, it was, it mm-hmm. was solid. There's mm-hmm. absolutely nothing wrong with it in my opinion. And Shima is going to go up against, uh, Omega now at this fight for the fallen. So that's, I'm sure going to be a great match. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea, I guess, uh, SCU beat, uh, Shima's team of the strong hearts at double or nothing. So now Shima wanted to kind of, uh, get a victory back for, for this OWE crowd. And, um, he did. So, uh, you know, now it puts a fire
0: under, under Christopher Daniels. So supposedly, by the way, OWE, Oriental Wrestling Entertainment from China yeah, is now going to be going global. They're coming to the UK. Oh, wow. Touring, with O W. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. That, so, like, fresh out of the blocks, man. It, it's huh, we're living in a very, very interesting time right now. It's like there, there seems like the borders and the barriers are just dropping everywhere. Yeah, so,
1: no kidding. Anyway, moving yeah, we on. Moving went on. to this, uh, uh, Yuka Sakazaki versus Riho and versus Nyla Rose. This three way women's match. Uh, where they had the beast, uh, what the native beast they're calling yeah. Nyla Rose, yeah, and then the two Joshi, absolutely the smallest people in the world, I think. They uh, look like
0: honestly, I thought they were children, yeah, like, like <laughs> teenagers. <laughs> it's teenage-
1: pretty crazy how, I mean, uh, apparently, Riho, um, she has been wrestling since she was 11 years old in mm-hmm. Japan. Um, and I don't know about Yuka Sakazaki, but um the The thing that at least uh, I'll go first on this one quickly is that I thought it was pretty okay. Mm. Um, some people thought it was a it fell really flat, mm. and uh, there was a lot of shakiness. I thought that the uh, the Joshi wrestlers that this uh, Yuka and Riho, the, I thought they should have been, uh, I don't know, like a more solid. Uh, they seemed a little bit shaky. Maybe it was the. You know anything? Jet lag, or the the ring was different, or you know so, something was different. Working with Nyla Rose with the language barrier—I don't know. But uh, there this should have this should have
0: been. This should have been uh, sorry, I'm going to yeah. cut you off. This should have been a handicap match. Yeah,
1: and it basically was. That's you know, the whole thing. You know, it came
0: across like so, in in translation. Yeah, as a handicap with the Japanese girls working together. But the thing is that now, once again, okay, I'm not sure where they want to go with this because. um Maybe this yuka Sakazaki, maybe she's isn't she the one that went over at the uh, end? Riho went over oh, yeah, so over yeah, so Sakazaki, yeah, yeah. That, okay, yeah, right, so I'm not sure like where they if they want to like uh showcase more of the Japanese talent, which is fine, fine by me mm-hmm. uh you know the, a lot of those Japanese girls are really, really good, um but once again, like really small or like really, really like like child small, childish, yeah. Um, childlike, I guess is the word that I'm looking for. But the thing is that I was confused here too, in this match, Mm. because you got Nyla Rose, which is, uh, you know, she's a transgender person. Um, and they're trying to book her or project her, not book her, but more so project her as being a monster, a female monster. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, okay. So here we go. Uh, you want to see a monster look at. Awesome Kong in her prime. Yeah. That was a monster, right? The way that she carried herself, the projection, the character work, everything about her was not so much anymore. I I feel like the edge has gone off Awesome Kong in the last few years. I I don't feel that anymore Mm. at all. Yeah, I would agree. But her best years in TNA, when she she was like squashing girls left and right. That was amazing. Yeah, that was, that's how you project a monster heel. Okay, now getting back to this. Nyla Rose, is unless Awesome Kong, Kong comes back to AEW as a full timer or even like even a part timer that she's going to be on the roster, Nyla Rose is the is the beast, yeah, for that woman's division. You know whether yeah. whether or not a transgender person should be in 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 you know in a woman's division. I I personally believe that no, because I think that there should be the, you know, they should have their own division for transgenders, just like with, let's say UFC or whatever they've, and several sports, by the way, have already rescinded this, right? Right. That there's, you you get way too many broken jaws and broken skulls of, of females.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a topic that is current. That's for sure. And and it's it's
0: legitimate as, as a gripe and as a, as a criticism, it's legitimate that the thing is that you... Okay, one person still has XX chromosomes. One person has XY chromosomes. Yeah, it's just the way it goes. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, but genetics play a big part in this. This is just like human biology now. Anyway, but yeah. Nyla Rose in this match—if you want to project Nyla Rose as being a beast, as as being like the big monster in the women's division now—you need to have her go over. You you need to have her.
1: I would say so. I mean, I don't. Maybe they uh, they are trying to do this. You know, the beast loses and, and she goes nuts and like destroys everybody or something maybe, like that, you know, but maybe. I, I would uh, agree that, you know, that maybe, maybe she should have gone over. And if she didn't go over, I think she, cause actually, I, I think I said earlier that it was Riho going yeah. over Sakazaki, but it was actually Riho rolling up uh, Nyla Rose, mm-hmm. I believe. And then I think if it was then Riho going over Sakazaki, then, then, you know, Rose comes in and just annihilates everybody or yeah. something like that. But mm-hmm. either way, I mean, I think that got mixed uh, reaction, but I mean I see I guess I see where they're going. Apparently Kenny Omega is um Kenny Omega and um uh what's her name? Uh, Brandy are are being really hands on with the women's division and, and mm-hmm. agenting a lot of the stuff. Okay. I I don't know exactly the full details there, but that's what I've heard. But then we yep. go into this fatal four-way, Hangman, mm. Jungle Boy, Jimmy Havoc, and MJF. And uh, it was quite obvious to me who was going to go over here. Oh, yeah. So, but, <laughs> I mean... Uh, it was a given. Yeah, but then again, we got to see... Uh, I actually was impressed by Jungle Boy. Mm. Uh, he did some, some ridiculous uh, swinging flip thing, uh, it, it was just weird, but uh, it, it worked out. I thought he was going to kill himself, but um, MJF, he cut like ridiculously great promo on mm-hmm. the, the crowd there, I thought w- was amazing. Oh, very, that, he was so spot on. You know, where they were saying, you suck, you suck, or
0: whatever, and he said, yeah, and your mother swallows or something like that. And, <laughs> was, and he was, because it's a gaming convention, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and And he's, he's basically tearing down these... You know, forty what odd, thirty some odd year olds, uh, you know, for for living in their parents' exactly. basements and whatnot. Yeah, it was so, great,
1: really good promo. I mean, it's yeah. like a, it's a, it's kind of like a given old. You know, everybody's made fun of these guys, but somehow he was able to do it in a fresh way that was, that was very tongue in cheek and um, and was yeah that was great.
0: He's the old school heel man. Mm. It's like MJF. He's got a he is getting the real deal upside. Heat. Yeah. yeah, he's getting the real kind of heat. Exactly, right. the, the the real heel heat that you should be getting. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised oh, if he geez. gets stabbed. Well, well that's it. <laughs> that that that's you know? it. I mean, she, he's legitimately pissing people off. Yeah, and and as a heel, that's what you want to do. You want to annoy people. So, I mean, my hats off to this guy. I think he's just ultra talented. Yep. He's he's, he's going to go. Somewhere. His charisma is so big that he's going to be one of the lead guys mm. for for this company or any other company that he works for. He's got the size. He's got the look. He's he's got everything.
1: It's true. Yeah, I think he he is definitely a future star, and i i don't I don't see any way that that guy could turn babyface. To be honest with you, after all this,
0: yeah, like Ricky Steamboat, yeah. was the one wrestler in wrestling history that was never a heel. Oh yeah, and here we go. Yeah, there you MJF go. MJF should be the one he, guy he who never, never turn, goes babyface. But uh, <laughs> Paige uh,
1: defeats, or he picks up the win by uh, giving this. Uh, what are they calling it now? The dead eye. No. Uh, it's this kind of weird what would you call it, backpack pile driver? I don't know, but uh, it's it's pretty cool. Gives it to Jimmy Havoc uh, so MJF doesn't, uh, you know, have anything to do with the pinfall situation, which I thought was the right move. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there you go. I, I was impressed with all the guys here. I thought they did a good job. And
0: um, I don't think that Jimmy Havoc really showed me much of anything.
1: Yeah, I mean, I a guess couple, he was... A couple of spots. He was there it. to take some things. Yeah. yeah. I, I saw, I was... Um, there was an interview, a really interesting interview with Jimmy Havoc that I learned uh, that he he trained with Finn Balor and um, Zack Sabre Jr. at the beginning. So he apparently, uh, and he's done some matches with Zack Sabre Jr. Apparently they're really good best buddies or whatever. And mm-hmm. Zack went the uh, that kind of British uh, shoot style and Jimmy just wanted to do the death match stuff. But apparently when they get together, they can chain wrestle the hell out of anybody in the planet so i would be really interested to see jimmy havoc um do some of that stuff but then again he made this point which which was really interesting to me as well that nobody wants to see him do chain wrestling or mat wrestling well that's the whole thing it's like he's already typecast his
0: character is he's already imprinted uh in people's minds what his Thing is So therefore it's like It's like watching Big Show Yeah You're not watching Big Show For drop toe holds At arm bars
1: Same like Because I mean I drew the comparison Although it's like a very You know far away away Where we talked about Hulk Hogan Where the guy can wrestle Yeah Or at least could I probably mm-hmm. can't even walk nowadays But uh you know he he could wrestle when he went and wrestled the Great Muta. There was there was proper wrestling going on there, mm-hmm. uh, but v- a very
0: non typical Hogan match. By yeah, it's
1: the weirdest one ever I've like, ever seen.
0: Like people, if you want to see Hulk Hogan actually wrestle, like if you think that Hogan can't wrestle, go and watch, go on YouTube or Daily Motion and just punch in Great Muta versus Hulk Hogan.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's a it's definitely eye opening. But the thing was that nobody wanted to see him. Nobody wanted to see Hogan. Do that style of wrestling. They wanted haymakers and leg drops and big boots in America, yeah, especially. But yeah. in
0: Japan, it's I a diff- guess you got you had had to to do
1: something. You have to do something else. Yeah, something different. People yeah. wouldn't buy it. But yeah. and, you know, same goes for Jimmy Havoc. I guess the guy can uh, wrestle his way out of anything. But he wants to. He he just wants to. And I guess people expect him to um, take some nasty things, but... uh, Moving on. Yeah, good enough match, but uh, here we go with the Cody versus Darby Allen. We talked about this already, but... uh, Next. Yeah, it was good. Uh, Now we go into the the six-man, so the elite, Young Bucks and Kenny Omega versus the Lucha Brothers and Laredo Kid as their mystery
0: opponent. Spots uh, from hell. Yes, there was a lot of spots. Oh, and that one freaking Street Fighter gimmick spot. Uh, the video, uh, the video yeah, yeah. game with the double thrust or whatever that thing was. Yeah, and the Hadouken. Like in the middle of the match, it's like, once again, you, you come to the point where it's so contrived and it's so... I hate to use this word now, but it's so bullshit that, that, that you can't, how do you redeem? It's like you're, you're hoping or actually what you're trusting. You're not even hoping you're trusting that your audience is going to forget that one spot and just forgive you. They're just going to move on right yeah. away, you know, and, and not register what you just did a second ago. Yeah, That's really what that spot is. Right. Mm. Um, It's kind of like that Joey Ryan dick flip, you know, let's say if Joey Ryan ever worked a match, with let me just throw a name out there, um, from New Japan, uh, Suzuki, yeah, Minoru Suzuki, yeah. Let's yeah. say, let's say Joey Ryan wrestled Minoru Suzuki, mm. and let's say that Suzuki would agree to that dick flip spot, so he'd you know, it would be just It'd be interesting, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but uh, just picture this yeah, in your yeah. mind for a second. Otherwise, Suzuki's beating the living tar out of the guy, right? Mm. Just smacking him around like a red-headed stepchild. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, one dick flip and the match continues. And you're just hoping that people are going to still see Suzuki in the same light after doing that spot. Yeah. And and do you think it's going to work? Do you, do you think that people would ever see him in the same light? Well... Do you think that
1: the, I would hope that nobody watches it? But uh, no, no. But the things <laughs> the the, the
0: world would be watching. So yeah, therefore, yeah. but do you think that both Japanese wrestling fans and 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 serious wrestling fans and the casual wrestling fan would ever see Minoru Suzuki in the same light after he did that spot with yeah, Joey Ryan?
1: I, I can I can say probably not. I mean uh, I think that that's the risk yeah. you take.
0: So this is my point. Yeah, that is the risk you take that they'll never ever see you in the, in that same light again. It's what Jake Roberts said once in this one interview, he said, uh, that, that, uh, once you prostitute your piece of business, you, and you lose your credibility, mm. you can never get it back completely. It's like cheating on your wife. Uh. It's like saying, honey, I know we've been together for 20 years, but the other night I was, I was away from home. I was on that one trip and, and I met this girl at the bar. And what happened happened, but it was only sex. I didn't love her. Mm. I'm coming clean now. I'm going to tell you what happened. So I I want to be honest with you. Now, she might forgive you, right? Your wife might forgive you, but do you think she's ever going to trust you 100% ever again? Do you Mm. think? There you go. No, because you've prostituted her trust, right? So you can only lose your credibility one time. You can only lose your trust one time. So when you go into a match like this, the six man here. And they do that one street fighter spot. You're hoping and praying to whatever it is that you believe in that, uh, people are going to forgive you. Yeah. That they're just going to bypass what you, what what they just saw. Mm. Yeah. Hopefully they blinked. Hope. Yeah. Hopefully they blinked because they, even on the replay, they showed it on the replay Mm. too. Hopefully they blinked on the replay.
1: I guess the, you know, being this gaming convention, this is again, something that was like for the live crowd.
0: um, you know it was it was unnecessary i don't mm, care, because they were already popping in that match for yeah, all the other spots it's true you don't need to do that spot no
1: i mean and you're totally right uh and i guess this this kind of lacked like this um you know the double or nothing match uh, with the lucha brothers and young bucks and it, it had this like i don't know, how would you say intensity they were like uh they were heated and yeah. this just kind of seemed like guys having fun doing a bunch of, uh, it was an exhibition,
0: right? This was an exhibition, yes, you're right. That's the word.
1: So, Uh, I mean, uh, it's not a grudge match, you know. It was an
0: athletic trapeze exhibition.
1: Yeah, and I mean, fine enough. I I love all those spots, uh, but, I mean, if they don't mean anything, Mm. then... uh, Anyway, it's hard to say it was a bad match because I don't think it was, but it was. It was visually stunning. You wanted yeah. you wanted something more, but then again, we got to re- remember for a lot of people that, and this is not ex- excusing anything, but this pay per view, I mean, uh, was on their lower level. Like I mean, we just had like their big, would you call it like WrestleMania or SummerSlam mm, in the no. Double or Nothing, and here is your small kind of. Um, Low, lower key, um, pay per view, but your, your money in the bank, I- exactly. Yeah, yeah. so mm. you know, I, 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 get it in a way, but then we come to the now uh, they, they said that this is not part of the show. Uh-huh. You know, this is the unsanctioned match. The actual pay per view is over now, and uh, AEW doesn't
0: take any responsibility. I guess. What was the story behind this non-sanctioned match? Why mm. was Joey Janela to begin with? in a non sanctioned match on this dangerous level yep. with John Moxley. Please explain. Dilla.
1: Well, uh Moxley uh stole Janela's cigarette at Double or Nothing and <laughs> flicked it away after Janela oh. wanted to come and say hi to him or something like that.
0: So oh, they terrible.
1: Yeah. And uh Janela got a had a bit I guess a chip on his shoulder that um you know, well Moxley's been off making millions and uh doing, uh, like, child's play, uh, play wrestling. He's been doing some crazy stuff for making his wrestling career look terrible, and he's been doing it for no money, I guess, and, uh... So he's
0: been doing his own play wrestling. I guess,
1: yeah. So, you know, and, uh, Uh he wanted to show Moxley that, um, you know, that his time is over and blah, blah, blah.
0: This was the weakest setup and story ever.
1: It was basically, they just... I, I, I thought as well that, uh... They just wanted to have this match right away. Yeah, and uh, why not? Why not build to this one? Because it could have been a really good build.
0: There was no build, you know. Uh, yeah, just to begin with. First of all, if, if people understand what a build is, it, it's it's like the emotional uh, story behind why two people are fighting, or why two factions or whatever are fighting, and and if there is depth, and if there is like. Meat, so to speak, the meat of the matter, meat and potatoes to mm-hmm. to the actual story, uh, A.K.A. substance. Uh, you will become more drawn into the actual uh, match itself once it takes place, and therefore you will have an emotional investment uh, in the two parties are uh, presented. Now, in this, why should I give a flying
1: yeah. Well, that's the thing. These, uh, you know, where Moxley kind of got, made his name and that CZW also, uh, that's the same place that Janela kind of made his name and, uh, you know, they're, they're having this death match background and, and all that jazz. So I, I guess the, to me, the idea was, uh, for AEW to show that this can be a part of their, I guess, their shows, their pay-per-views. Cause, uh, also, um, we had, um, Tony Khan go on and say that there will not be this kind of extreme violence at all on their, uh, TV show. I'm sure there'll be, you know, some, some here or there nasty stuff, but, uh, they're not going to go into this death match-esque environment unless it's called for an unsanctioned. I guess that's the whole idea that they're mm-hmm. not blah, 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 but, um, why should you care? I don't know. I guess this was uh, this was just to show. This it, was this was a it was a showcase. It was a showcase of here's a here's a st- type of match. I thought that uh, if you hopefully didn't watch the the comedy hardcore match uh, in the beginning of the evening, um, but you know then this would have I guess
0: uh, I don't know had more weight on it because the question yeah double or nothing Joey Janela where was he on the card. Yeah, he was in the uh, the Battle Royal. Ooh, you remember that Battle Royal. I do. Yeah. One of the worst of all time. Yeah. <laughs> now, did Joey Janela stand out in that Battle Royal? What did he do there to, to stand out?
1: I guess he got a cigarette stable to his face and took a uh, chokeslam from Luchasaurus through
0: that table. So he didn't do anything offensively to make him stand out. Not that I can remember. No, anyway. nothing at all. He was just a statistic in that match too, right? Now... You put him from that opening match garbage battle royal, that outlaw battle royal, into the last match. So, like, technically, the main event. Yeah. Of Fighter Fest. Mm. How in the hell did this just happen? Yeah, I mean, like, that... like, how did this guy, this opening match, like, like, excuse my my reference here or my intonation, but this opening match, nobody. Okay, he might be somebody somewhere else in the States, right? He might have his own company. He might be somebody there's, So there's no disrespect, mm. but on that AEW level, who is he? Yeah. Who is he? He's nobody. Yeah. He was an opening match guy in a terrible battle Royal. That was largely like just a, uh, should be forgotten and just wiped away into the gutters of wrestling history. But now in the main event, what makes him stand toe to toe for 20 minutes with John Moxley AK Dean Ambrose. Yeah. What gives him the right? Please tell me.
1: Well, uh, I guess it's to me it has nothing to do with uh, any kind of storyline or anything of like that. I really think that it was, you know, John Moxley, he wanted to show, he wanted it seems like he's once he got free of WWE's 90-day clause or whatever or whatever he had there. Yeah. He went New Japan he went hard as as a as you could ever go with that juice robinson you know going getting blood the hard way it seems like he's like he's like desperate to get that uh feeling back and he i think he just wanted to show people hey i can do the deathmatch stuff remember i'm not a pussy anymore or or whatever you know he i think that's and then in AEW it's like well who are they going to put him up against that that is going to be believable in a death match uh, scenario, and it's basically Jimmy Havoc and Joey Janela. And Jimmy Havoc, I think they've they've got him doing other things. Mm-hmm. So to me, that was the reason, uh, and uh, it's not a good reason, mm-hmm. just because some some guy wants to do it, wants to, and. But then again, it it was a, it was entertaining for for the crowd because they don't get to see that on a you know on this kind of scale they, they you know. Uh, TNA, Impact, whatever, they've done these barbed wire rope matches uh, occasionally and, and done that stuff. But that's at quite a, the eyes on that are quite small. Yeah. You know, uh, at least they There's they one
0: spot in this match that just made me cringe. You know which one I'm talking about. I don't
1: know, there's a few. But it was the feed on the tacks?
0: Yeah, that one, yeah. <laughs> okay, now first of all, so you want to show people something that they haven't seen before. Well, everybody knows how tender uh the soles of your feet would be uh, unless you've been walking around all summer long uh in bare feet you know on gravel and yeah yeah you know in the bush and very few people do that so once you take your shoes off and you're like barefoot you're like just really touchy like yeah. you're walking around like Sensitive a ballet uh, Yeah like a ballet dancer right Well so you got Joey Janella he he gets his tennis shoes once again guys wrestling in tennis shoes like how mo- how how Jabronish can you look Mm-hmm. Anyway, tennis shoes off and then thumbtacks all over the ring, Dean Ambrose goes for what appears to be <clears throat> a an atomic drop. Yeah. But instead of leaving his knee out to drop his tailbone on, he just drops him uh heels first, the soles of his feet first into the thumbtacks. Yeah okay he didn't quite gather as many thumbtacks into his into the bottom of his feet as i thought he might but he was bleeding you know from the bottoms of his feet and and it was a pretty like disgusting moment in yeah. the in the match and you can really feel like you know you can sympathize with the guy you can empathize with what's happening because you know how much it would hurt
1: yeah i've stepped on a piece of lego and that's brutal
0: yeah there you go there you go so they're trying to show people something they haven't seen before, which goes straight into the finish, which is the double arm DDT uh, onto the thumbtacks, which they're calling this, the, the paradigm shift. There you go. Paradigm shift. Yeah. Boom. And uh, one, two, three, but otherwise, hmm, I don't understand how on paper, uh, these two can go toe to toe uh, for 20 minutes. Now, Dean Ambrose's name, A.K.A. John Moxley mm. has been made uh, yeah. since 2000, I think 13. Once they debuted with the Shield, Yep. Okay, so his name has been made for six years mm. in WWE. So he's a legitimate, uh, like name recognized star, even though his like name is now John Moxley, but still people recognize this is Dean Ambrose. Yeah. So it brings me back to a cross parallel, which I'll tell uh, very briefly here. There, back in the day, in 1992, a young Raven, mm. uh, Scotty, what was his name? Scotty Levi, Scotty, Levy. Levy, uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So that's his real name, Scotty Levy, uh, was in WCW as Johnny Flamingo. Yeah, that's right. right. So Scotty was Johnny Flamingo, <laughs> pre-Raven. So he came to the ring and did this like, uh, this what Hawaiian type of shirt, whatever it was, you know, So all flashy and blah, blah, blah. So one day he's working, I think it was either Steamboat or then it was, yeah, it was Steamboat. Yeah, yeah. I have a similar story with Arn Anderson, but still. Uh, So Scotty Levy, aka Raven, at that time Johnny Flamingo versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And they're putting their match together. And this is from Raven straight, right? Yeah. he, He told this story. And... So he's pitching ideas what he wants to do in the match, and Steamboat's, nope, no, nope, no no, no, we're not gonna do that, no nope, no nope, no, nope. and then steamboat had the character to explain to him why not mm. he said that it would not be befitting that a wrestler or a piece of talent a guy like with your profile in the business, you're very young to the business you mm-hmm. haven't been around would be able to do to pull off these things or do these things to uh to a former world champion like myself mm, yeah, who's been in the business for so many years as he's been. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. You can't be on a level playing field, uh, as a new guy who's just got introduced. That's it. With the veterans. So yeah. therefore, no, we're not doing this tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And the same thing more or less was, uh, one Arn Anderson story quickly, uh, was, uh, a Japanese guy, I forget what his name was, is somewhere around 93, 94, I think, it was 94, he was in WCW for a very short period of time, I forget his name right now, he's still wrestling, um, but he he was a bigger Japanese guy, came into the company, and uh, same thing, R. Anderson, no, we're not doing that, no, 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 and for the same reasons, right? Mm-hmm. So traditionally that's how wrestling's been. You 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 can't project somebody who doesn't have the depth, the character depth nor the the experience uh you know, on a level playing field with somebody who is very recognized. You can't do, you can't get away with it. It's like saying that it's like it's like two bands. So let's say your band gets to open for Metallica. Yeah. Are you going to get the same stage? You're going to get to use the same, like the entire width and span, uh, span of the stage. Now no, you, you get
1: your postage stamp.
0: Yeah, you're going to get your, exactly. You're not going to be able you're not using the same drums as Lars Ulrich, uh-huh. right? You're going to be using your own drums in the front. They're going to be pulled down immediately after the show. You're not going to have a backdrop in the background, more than likely. You won't have the, the same light show. The, the sound engineer will not give you the same quality of sound, live sound, as he will give to the main act. It, will, it just won't happen. Yeah, exactly. So, what makes you think that you can stand on the same footing and the same level playing ground with Metallica? uh, You know, regardless of like even my band, Stoner King, has been around for twenty years almost. I wouldn't expect the same. Oh, I've been around for twenty years. No, but this is Metallica. This is like everybody in the world knows this band. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not how it works. So here, Joe Janella, how in the hell did he stand toe to toe for twenty minutes with? Dean Ambrose. It's a good question. And um... <clears throat> booking wise, yeah. once again, AW start to make sense, please. Yep. Like somebody on that booking team, or whoever it is, the the, the sole booker. I don't know if it's Cody or if it's Kenny or whoever the hell it is, mm-hmm. Young Bucks. I mean, just get your head wrapped around the business the way I mean, Dusty Rhodes, as brilliant as he as he was. I mean, Cody is the son of Dusty. He should know. Yeah. Okay, Dustin is there too. They should know.
1: I think that uh, a lot of the and especially these two shows are kind of like mirroring that all in where it's kind of like a one like a one night only deal, you know, where they try to book these dream matches or or whatever. Mm. So I I really hope that we're going to see a different idea when they come to TV. Yep. But uh, that being said, the the show ended off with Omega now uh, coming after uh, John Moxley where he had I guess, a uh, surprise attacked Omega mm-hmm. on Double or Nothing, and they, uh, I guess Omega basically beat the crap out of him, and, um, you know, it seemed like John Moxley was loving it, so mm-hmm. he loved that he's put this fire under Omega, and they are having their bout at all out, <clears throat> so let's uh, see how that goes, but... Um I'm losing my voice or something here. I don't know what's going on.
0: Well, the next AEW show is on the 13th of this month. So it's Fight for the Fallen, also going to be held in Florida. But before we continue with the podcast, let's get a word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back with you.
1: Your brand and story with the strength of modern marketing. Social media gets your brand and message in your audience's hands and your story with the boost of marketing and videography is your strongest means of persuasion. That's where Estrada Creative Helsinki gets involved. Check them out on Facebook at
0: facebook.com/estradacreativehelsinki.
1: Helsinki
0: for business and marketing. In addition, Editorial and portrait work welcome. For more, see MarkoSimonen. dot com. That's M A R K O S I M O N E N. dot com. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So that was AEW's Fighter Fest, and uh, now I guess we'll uh, just to finish up here this week. We'll just recap quickly uh, the matches from Slam Wrestling Finland's Wrestle Aid. Yeah, and uh, in the first match, we had seven matches on the show. By the way. And still going to be up now for one more week on is.fi. So that's the website of Ilta Sanomat. So one of the top newspapers in the country. It's the it's the largest uh, streaming service in the Nordics, by the way. So yeah. ISTV, it's really good production. Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, for a for a stream, that's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was I've watched it after the fact as well,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I was really impressed. And is uh, I guess ISTV who who provided that. I mean. And the guy on site, Jari uh, I mean, uh, yeah, y- Hakkarainen. That's yeah.
0: right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I was I was impressed. I really in, enjoyed their work. So there you go. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, so let's just recap the biggest, most uh, significant wrestling show in uh, in the Nordics this summer, which was Wrestle Aid this past June twenty ninth in Rauma, Finland. So the first match, Matt Cross, son of Habak from Lucha Underground, uh, defeated Yami Alto. In a cruiserweight style match, which uh, what did you think of that one? Well, I was
1: uh, again in the, in the best seat in the house, uh, standing, I guess, standing room only as the uh, <laughs> that's right as the ref there, and um, I was uh, very impressed. The the two were the like the sportsmanship there were great. Um, mm-hmm. They respected each other, and I have never seen Yami Alto taken to this um, like pushed yeah. to the limits, yeah. and I think he was. Uh, at, and afterwards, uh, he uh, he definitely said that that was like he has never been tested that hard. Of course, unfortunately, he lost. Mm-hmm. But then again, <clears throat> I think he won in a lot of ways where he got uh, he learned a hell of a lot from um, the veteran in, in Matt Cross and you know uh, just how to be and what it what it takes. Yeah, you know. So yeah. um, I was impressed by both of their showings. Of course, you know Matt Cross knows what he's doing but he did he did take some he did get rocked by Yami so i was uh, you know it was great to see that yami could actually pull off some really good offense there but fast pace mm-hmm. the the shooting star press it
0: didn't start out fast though
1: no uh, but they did a really uh, they they picked it up they picked it up and mm-hmm. they they had a really like even Steven um bit for a while they were they were trading back and forth reversing each other's locks and things and Mm -hmm. just the athleticism there was was a treat to watch and um yeah matt cross did the most picture perfect uh shooting star press i've ever seen uh Mm, i'll uh, agree with that one yeah and uh landed square and there you know there was no getting up from there so um you know kudos for yami for bringing the fight and uh definitely for matt cross coming over here and showing us his uh
0: Unbelievable talent. So I was. I thought this match was really good. A great opener. Mm-hmm. Now, next match was a tag team match, and it was uh, Carlos Zamora El Guapo uh, from Spain, and his tag team partner <clears throat> Big Mick Vinula from Estonia, uh, up against the Finnish contingent of Polar Pekko and his partner Patrick Mieto. Yeah. So we had. Uh, Matchup here basically of, of I would still consider all these guys to be young Lions. They are. Because they I mean Mieto's been around now since was it two thousand twelve ish. Uh but like really uh not with the number of matches that, that you would like think over the years. So I, I, I think that he's still learning. He's still like mm. definitely like in that process of, of finding his voice, so to speak, in the wrestling business or finding his, his niche. Yeah. Um same applies for all these guys. I think, like uh, the hybrid background, the fighting background of Carlos Zamora was pretty interesting. That he's got that MMA slash uh, kickboxing background to bring yeah. to the table. So this was a dynamically different kind of match. You were also the ref for this, weren't you? I was. You? Yeah. Yeah. How was that?
1: Uh, it was. Uh, I thought it was good. I mean, um, El Guapo uh, the, the Zamora and uh, uh, Mick Vinyl. They were. I mean, not exactly following the rules as much as I would have hoped. Uh, they weren't super bad, but uh, uh, there was some shenanigans going on there, and I, I really tried to, to keep them under control. But th- with those guys, with the amount of intensity that they have, and like you said, that they're young and uh, hungry mm-hmm. and wanting to show what they got, mm-hmm. it, it got out of control. And um, But then again, uh, I think that they did get to, to do what, they wanted to do in that way where they try to impress the crowd, you know, cause they are young and they are like doing their thing. So it's like one of those deals where, um, they need to, they need to show what they can do against each other. So, and there was some really hard hitting stuff, um, some good combinations. And I think that they're going to go far in El Guapo. Um, he he, definitely, he's a character in that, in that way. I talked to him later. We had him on Shooting the Shizat for a short interview. and um, That's last week's yeah, episode,
0: by the way, if you want to check it out.
1: Definitely check that one out, the locker room interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he's a bit of a, you know, he's riding that line of being a bit of an arrogant prick. Mm-hmm. But then again, when he gets into the ring, he can back it up. So it's it's that's when, you know, guys, it's a tough one there. Mm-hmm, when the mm-hmm. guys are actually that good. It's uh, it's hard to fault them for for knowing it, but uh, it might bite him in the ass one day. But let's see. That was a uh,
0: massive jackhammer at the end by vinyl, though.
1: Yeah. Oh well, that, he's a powerhouse. Uh, uh, he the is. strength in that guy. I actually, this was the, finally, I got to see it. Yeah. The the real deal. Yeah. And uh, he really, you know, uh, well Goldberg can't do it like that anymore.
0: You know, no, no. <laughs> as we no, saw. I mean, it was as picture perfect, and as thunderous of a jackhammer as you'll ever see. If you want to see it again, ladies and gentlemen, once again, go to is.fi on the internet and search out ISTV and you will find WrestleAid under that and you can check it out. But anyway, moving on. Third match, it was a, um, it was a brawl, man. It was Mm. this this one here. They had a pretty interesting ring entrance.
1: Yeah. Uh, The ring entrances, by the way, this whole, uh, it surprised me. mm. You know, I had no, I had no even clue that there was going to be any kind of
0: uh, these ring entrances and it was just such a treat you know yeah we had some extras for the uh, r- ring entrances to to actually just help embellish uh, the the experience so to yeah. speak and uh, we had this uh, group called Ulvilan Keski got Seura so it's like a middle age kind of club right and uh, they they're from the township of Ulvila in Finland that's what it means and they had dressed up like uh like Viking raiders, or like you know, like just uh, middle, the the Middle Ages. Yeah, medieval, medieval kind of, kind of like characters. Yeah. And and uh, yeah, they had escorted both Hamo, the wild man Ukoncelka, and his opponent Yurn Simmons from Holland to the ring, and uh, it was rather uh, rather impressive the way it looked, especially on tape.
1: Yeah. I would say, and this is where the show element comes to play yeah.
0: and should stay. Yeah, that's it. That's it. You yeah. know, it's it's the uh, it's on the stuff that happens outside the ring. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, big brawl between two big men, very big, big men. bald headed men. Yeah, yeah. It was a slobber knocker for sure. Yeah, they went. They were
1: in on on the tables and just uh, rolling around the place. And uh, it it even was like you know scaring some kids in that way where they were like, oh my god, these these guys are are legit mm-hmm. beasts. Good because uh, we had also that Juren Simmons on here as well with mm-hmm. the locker room interviews, and he's a you know, when you don't get him mad, yeah. he's a quite a funny, you know, nice dude. But yeah. uh, just don't uh, don't put him anywhere near me if it's going to be in a, in the squared circle because that guy, and well, I mean, Mo well, you we know, that guy is literally a wild man. So you just don't want to go anywhere near him when he's in the in the zone because that mm-hmm. somebody's going to get hurt.
0: And mm-hmm. uh, they, uh, you know, they just were nuts. That was totally nuts. That's good. That's good. It's that a big brawl. So it's like a medieval style brawl. Yeah. No, no count outs. No DQs. And in the end, Hamo picks up the win. Over, I think it was some type of flying big boot. Yeah. yeah. Pretty huge boot. Yeah. So, one, two, three, boom! Hamo, the wild man, picks up the duke. Then on to the fourth match, and uh, in this one here, we had uh, Scotty Davis. Yeah. From, the young young talent yeah, from Ireland, yeah, eighteen years old from from Ireland, and a uh, guy who just worked Jushin Thunder Liger just not too long ago. Yeah, insanity. Yeah, I, th- I think it was Scrapper Mania for OTT for over the top wrestling in Ireland. Anyway, uh, Scotty Davis up against Victor Tukki from Finland. Uh, so Scotty, a uh, thinner, smaller. Not not small in the sense that he's he's tall. He's still yeah. tall, but but the thing is that uh, thinner and uh, smaller in. In size, otherwise uh against a, a bigger guy uh, mm. also a young guy, yeah Victor duki here from Finland, and uh I think these guys they were they were looking to find their groove, I think they were looking to find their their how could you say the chemistry yeah it was it, it's it's a real challenge sometimes uh to to mesh with mm. your opponent, and I think they had uh, a struggle with that, but then that said, I think that the I think the dichotomy, or what's the word I'm looking for, between their styles, like be, it's... The clash of styles. The, yeah, the clash of... of styles. I think mm-hmm. that's where the intrigue lies yeah. in this match, seeing how these two guys are going to make it, make this thing work. Yeah. And uh, in the end, I mean, there there were some pretty crazy suplexes and spots in this match.
1: Yeah, and was,
0: And that one where it's like, the flip dive from Scotty oh, yeah. to the outside of the ring. I thought he cracked his head. Over.
1: I thought he was yeah. dead. Yeah. But yeah. he popped right back up. But I was yeah. thinking like. Yeah. Oh, he, he was
0: able to shield himself, which yeah. is good.
1: Which he, is good. He knows what he's doing. That's yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. But it's scary. And, uh, he did some, uh, incredible athletic maneuvers. And yeah. I think what, you know, in that way you're saying that they were having a hard time at the, especially at the beginning to kind of, you know, find the groove. And I, it was, I think that, uh, in in a lot of ways that Victor Tukey was just, you know, putting the brakes on a lot of things and, and trying to make sure that Davis didn't get to that dangerous level where it is, where he is on the top rope, you know, mm. Mm so and uh yeah Duke actually picks up the victory there with yep. that uh w- what was he doing this uh run running like samoan drop or something i uh, can't now remember what yeah i think called. i
0: think ryback did something very similar back in his WWE run yeah it was big yeah yeah but it was a huge huge bump yeah boom one two three well there you go so scotty misses a corkscrew uh um, sent on yeah off the ropes and then uh Tuki picks him up in the finisher, and boom, one, two, three. Then moving on to uh, the local boy. So from the city of Roma, Tony Tamminen, who was able to wrestle for the first time in front of his hometown crowd, against a 15-year professional wrestling veteran from Finland called Stark Adder, a master of the different fighting arts and martial arts are also out there. The guy spent, like, was it a year, I think he was in China, or half a year to a year? Oh, yeah. Uh, I forget what the, the name of the um, of the discipline was that he was studying. But, anyway, he was up early in the morning, 6 o'clock, with the other Chinese men doing the the exercises and everything like that, so the town folk. Yeah. Yeah, in the town square. Anyway, uh this one here it was a, a definitive moment for Thumminn to put his work and shoes on and to to make his contribution and his uh showing count uh, make the people of his hometown. Yeah. Uh you know, pop for him and 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 I think he did. Uh I think that that here it was a real challenge also in the sense that I think that Dominic was a bit overambitious in this match. I think that he was trying to impress his hometown people mm. so much yeah. that, that, that he was, uh, I think that if he would have stuck to a more simple game plan, I think that maybe it would have served him better, but that's just in hindsight because he did pick up the win. Yeah. So, yeah. so he did beat Stark at her. Uh, in, a, in a tight match, and uh, it was a crucifix, I think it was, right at the end.
1: Yeah, yeah, Caught
0: him out with a crucifix, and then all of a sudden, boom, one, two, three, and Adder didn't roll through in time. So, had his shoulders pinned to the mat, and the local boy gets the duke, so I, it couldn't go any better for, as a, as a fairy tale, uh story story ending uh, to, to a match of this magnitude for one Tony Thumbinen. Yeah, that's true. I
1: mean, it was a definitely, uh, he had a lot to prove here again you know Mm. and i think i guess when you're wrestling in front of your home crowd that it's like a quite a big deal for you've you got your family and friends and everybody watching you yeah you you don't want to choke no so you know and then maybe you you get a little bit overly confident or something but or you uh, you,
0: or you get nervous that's the thing mm. i I think he was nervous that's where i think he was overindulgent is is the fact that the nerves got to him but he was able to ride it out and then uh, pull it off at the end so Kudo, yeah, well, impressive. Kudos, impressive. kudos for that, yeah. Then we get to uh, the one of the first, or the, the first of the two main events, which was myself against uh, Yoshihiro Tajiri, the Japanese buzzsaw. Uh, yeah. And uh, this was the seventh singles match between us since 2010. So looking back on the history of of our feud uh, which has been the most notable feud in my career so we're talking seven singles plus all the tag team matches we've had we've had like barbed wire board matches we've had like tag team style we've had these different six bands and 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 whatever else like just straight up straight up tags in the past uh to the umpteenth degree but as far as singles go seven and uh i had going into this match i had four wins whereas Tajiri had two wins. Right. So I was definitively on the upswing as far as that was concerned going into this match. Uh, and this, I, I really felt, was one of these opportunities. I was talking at the beginning of this podcast about how you want to project your business mm. and, and what kind of message you want to send across to people, not only the media, but to like to the general public in your market area as far as educating them to what it is, what your product is about. And, and this was an old school style wrestling match. Yeah, it was. Right. Um, and that said for 20 minutes, you know, we, we tangled in that ring and, uh, man, once he started kicking away with those lightning fast kicks, it was like, geez, how do you, how do you even shield yourself? I was feeling them too. And I was the ref in this one, as we said. And yeah.
1: I was—I uh, asked you a few times actually if you wanted to stop because I thought that your arm was broken. Uh, you know, I was even checking on it. Well, I'll tell you, you what—you kept saying no,
0: and I—I I was thinking that I was going to call it. Well, oh, that's—that's the thing is, like, my left arm um, for about ten years now, I, I've had this inflammation in my uh, in my elbow joint. Right, it's almost like a tennis elbow type of thing. Mm. Um, and I'm not sure if it's bone chips or if it's just like. A chronic inflammation, which which just refuses to go, and I, I it's legitimately been like ten years. Yeah, yeah. So once he got on that arm and and just like he realized that, I mean, he knows this. Mm. You know, it's he just got on it and and kept on wrenching. Um, once again, if you want to see the match, it's up on is.fi and go to istv on that page, and you'll see WrestleMania. You can see the entire event and this match there, uh, but. At the end, I mean, it's like for the long history that, that we've had together, I tell you what, I know his moveset. Mm. I know exactly when, I, from the corner of my eye, when I see him going for something, I know from his body language exactly what's going to be happening. And Ricky Steamboat said the same thing about Ric Flair. Mm yeah that all the matches and then they had hundreds of matches right yeah, yeah. so of, of all the matches that they had together, it's like they didn't have to say a single word to one another. It's just you knew just from the positioning of the guy, yeah, what was coming next you you could just tell yeah, and yeah. And, the, and the same thing, even though we've only get this was our seventh match, but because of the all the tags on top of these singles that we've had, I've learned to read. Tajiri's body language. Yeah, I bet. So, so it's like, I saw what was coming. I saw like many times I, I could sense, okay, he's going to go for this. And, and that buzzsaw kick that he tries, that finishing move, that kick to the, it's like a rabbit punch effect to the back of your head. Right. Um, he, he tried that, like, was it three times in that match? And, 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 and I was able to evade them every single time, because once I realized that I was in that position that he's going to go for it, uh, and then I saw him load it.
1: Yeah. Load yeah. the move.
0: Right. There's like, just duck, 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 duck. Every time just get out of the way. And I, I blocked it once with my injured arm. Hurt like hell. Um, but still I fought through, but at the end it's like, he just, well, did he run into you or what?
1: Yeah. Well, uh, he backed up and, and clocked me good. Well, I, basically with his elbow into my shoulder, I put my hands up and I uh-huh, fell, uh-huh. um, into the, into the corner. And then, uh, he turned me around, and asked me to count the pin, okay, and I well, counted I, the pin. And... I don't
0: remember what exactly that was. Like, how in the world did he like end up running into you? But anyway, the the point being that as soon as I saw you go down, and as soon as he turned around, I thought, oh shit. Yeah. And there it was—the green mist, boom, right out of his mouth. And I it I had that on my face all freaking night. I I could not wash it off. Yeah,
1: I was. I don't ask know what it was. How,
0: how the hell long did it take you to get it out? No, I, it's like I I've heard from other people too that that have been misted before, like mm. guys like Peter. Uh, what, what's his name? No, no, wait, uh, Brody Steele from, uh, mm. from Canada. Yeah. Uh, I, like once you take that, that mist, it's like, it's, it's almost damn near impossible to get it off. How many times have you been misted now? I don't remember. Maybe three, four. Oh yeah. Something like that. Yeah. That I can, re- maybe, maybe I'm wrong that I can recall. Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, but once that mist can, and it, you know, the thing is then you, you can't see straight. And mm-hmm. once you can't see straight, you're a sitting duck and boom, buzzsaw kick finally the fourth time's a charm or yep. third or fourth, whatever it was. And, uh, that was it. Well, I counted, Lights the, out.
1: I counted the pin, rang the bell and, and then I, my, my hand had green on it Yeah, from, right. uh, I guess from your hair or something where I was counting the pin or whatever yeah, it got yeah. on the mat. Yeah, yeah. And then I saw your face and then uh, of course I knew that, okay, there was green mist and what, what can you do now? You yeah, know, the, uh, the match is over, the bells rung. I just didn't see it.
0: Yeah. And, uh, well, it is what it is, but, yeah. but the thing is that, you know, like no shame in losing, um, you know, and a lot of people, you know, you know, you might've thought going in, I was just like, you know, I'm the guy promoting the show. is like, oh, is Starbuck's going to win this one too? No, it didn't happen. Um, but by the same token, it's like, I have no shame in losing because the thing is, I, I do honor Tajiri as an opponent. I, I do like, and the guy's incredibly talented in Japan. They hold him to be what they call a wrestling genius. Uh, and that's a no tag doubt. that's given to very few people. Uh, guys like Keiji Muto, uh, Tanahashi, uh, Marafuji, people like this, they're given that title, and Tajiri's one of them too. Anyway, so the thing is that um, that this is the way that he wrestles. This is, this is his shtick, his style. Yeah. And when you get in the ring, you have to know these things, that if it comes, it comes, and, and, and uh, you cannot gripe because that's part of what he does. Yeah. So, therefore, hats off to Tajiri. Now he's three- Whereas I am four wins in and, uh, that's seven matches between us. To yep. this, I don't know if there's going to be an eighth. I have no idea. Yeah. Well, you know, but I hope so. Yeah. Down the line. Who knows? Anyway, then we get to the, uh, the women's match and the most significant female wrestling match in Europe. I dare say, uh, that I have known of to date. I don't know any other company that's put, like we're talking about, once again, this is Asia versus Europe Versus the Americas. Yep. So huge. It's global. This match was global. So we took three girls: Mako Satomura, an all-time legend from Japan, mm. up against Sadie Gibbs out of the UK. Now Sadie's only been wrestling for like two years, but she's a phenomenon.
1: Yeah, she Just... she's really good and signed to AEW. Exactly. That was, this I guess was her last.
0: This was her last. Yeah, a wrestling show in uh, or her her booking in Europe. Yeah. Until uh, I think she's. Yeah. Uh, you might see her on this fight for the fall and you never maybe, know. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. So the thing is that, yeah, so we we have the, uh, the honor of holding Sadie Gibbs' last appearance in Europe as an independent talent. Yeah. Anyway, uh, up against Lise Velez from Lucha Underground and uh, Lise who also wrestled in NXT as Sofia Cortez under a different name. But, uh so ladies match and these girls tore it up, man. This was athletically stunning, this mm. match. Yeah. And, uh, some hard hitting kicks and, and maneuvers here. Uh, we got to see the best of of all of these three continents. Yeah, um, and the girls really brought it. Yeah, know.
1: I mean uh, the the funny thing, um, you know, I'd heard somebody say that uh, on paper, at least on the the you know the looks of things, is that uh, you know slam wrestling's booking some some pretty hot chicks. You know, as uh, we should. But the mm. thing, well, mm. the thing is that. Yeah, they're uh, athletic, they're in shape mm-hmm. and they can kick the crap out of each other like nobody's business. It's not just the
0: they're skilled. You know, it's not just the yeah. way that they look. No, it's know? not it's not the thing is that I was brought up to believe in the the entire ball of wax. Yeah. So that's the skills, it's the charisma and it's the look. Yeah, so therefore you have to have the package. It's a trifecta. Yeah so I book people only who have their shit together, mm. right? Cause the thing is that once again, I'm selling professional wrestling. I'm not selling show wrestling or, or, or play wrestling or whatever the hell it is. I'm selling professional wrestling. So, so I, I reserve the right as the organizer, as the booker, as the, as the owner of this company, I reserve the right yeah. to book the kind of talent that I feel are up to par mm. to, for what it is that I want to sell yeah. to my audience. And, and these girls, they definitely delivered on that level, yeah. And uh, in the end, it was uh, once again Japan. Japan taking it, man. We're talking about years of experience here. There you go. And you can't beat experience. You can be athletically gifted. You can be a younger talent. You can wow the crowd. But at the end of the day, I tell you what: more times than not, experience takes it to the bank.
1: Yeah, and it it definitely did. And, and they they went on a fast like pace, really intense. They yep. were just going and going and going. No, they weren't resting. You know, they, no. I guess they had waited long enough. And uh, well, that's it. You know, Ivali's mm. took a very long journey to get here, and um, you know, same with uh, Mako Satomura as well as a very long journey to get here. Yep. You know, and they were just—I know it. You know, they were just chomping at the bit. We just got to go, go, go. And they, I guess, the the amount of energy that had you know saved up in their bodies to just blast on each other. It definitely it was intense and and the the crowd, the crowd that that uh, it was a great crowd. Um, they were nice and loud. Mm-hmm. They got like, you know, their money's worth times ten. I think you know this was just like, uh, especially just, yeah. the, these main events. You yeah, know, yeah, they yeah, were they, so they, they got the they got the real deal. Yeah, and yeah. nothing nothing uh, to take away from the the previous matches on the card because nope. they were spectacular. That could have been, you know, uh, a just alone, take out those main events, and there's a great show. But here, yeah, all right. of a sudden, you got, you know, legendary rivalry and uh, b- one of the biggest, I guess, uh, you know, global spanning uh, matches.
0: It was just great. I mean, uh, it's like Randy of the Macho Man Savage said, cream of the crop! <laughs> <laughs> you did say that That's Cream of me. the crop But
1: yeah, definitely uh, You yeah. Got, You guys got to watch this time You got to watch it like at least five times I think to so get the whole experience out of it uh, mm-hmm. That is.fi ISTV And mm-hmm. you could even search for WrestleAid Just in case you're having trouble finding it But it's yeah, right there And
0: there's there's also a direct link, by the way If you want to go to our Facebook page That's facebook.com slash slamrest That's S-L-A-M-W-R-E-S First of all, like the page, follow us. And then just scroll down just a few updates ago. There is the ISTV direct link to the show there. So you can just pick it up straight off the Facebook page. Sweet. Yeah. Anyway, Mako Satomura, the big star in that match. Of course, all the girls were stars, but she was the one that picked up the Duke at the end and, uh, one, two, three over Ivelisse. And, uh... Close the show, yeah. and and this, of course, Wrestle Aid. Once again, the reason why it's called Wrestle Aid is because we are raising funds for the Finnish Muscular Dystrophy Association. We had some handicapped folks in the crowd, along with uh, one of our co-organizers, Riku Forström, uh, on his hospital bed, also. And I want to thank Riku once again for for. Uh, brainstorming WrestleAid and for being one of our organizers. I also want to thank Rauman Lukko, the uh, local ice hockey team from that area for being one of my organizing partners and also Tony Protoni-Jarvinen, a local DJ who really came and, and helped in a big way as the fourth organizer in this event. So thank you guys once again for WrestleAid and uh, thank you everybody that were there and for those also who uh, will go hereforth to watch it on is.fi, so ISTV. So, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Shooting the Shizat this week. Thank you so much for hanging in there with us. Dylan, any closing words? Yeah, I guess uh,
1: we got our own uh, Facebook page as well, Shooting the Shizat. You can find it there. Just do that. Search Shooting the Shizat podcast. Cream of the crop. That's it. And uh, that's where you can get a lot of notifications as to what is coming up. And uh, you can chat with us there and we can... Have some kind of wonderful back and forth if you like. Also our Instagram shooting the shiz at. Just, just type in shooting the shiz at on the internet and you'll find us all over the gosh darn place. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Music where you consume your Podifies. Your, what am I talking about here? Where you consume your podcasts. You can find us Podbean and uh, a slew of others. So just search it shooting the Shizat I guess you found it already since you're listening to this but like and share our podcast we'd really appreciate it it definitely helps us out a huge load but yeah thanks so much for listening to Shooting the Shizat this week and we'll catch you next week
0: same day hopefully if we're getting our ducks in line alright same bat time same bat channel cream of the crop oh, oh.